Again, if you'll follow us, follow us in the word of the Lord. That's Numbers chapter 22, and we'll be looking at verses 21 through 32. This is a message that God, he placed upon my heart. Wait, wait, let me see what my audience is like. Is anybody expecting something from God on this morning? I said, are you expecting something from God? Let me talk to a few other folks. How many of you need something from God this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know that I need something from the Lord, and I know his word never fails. His word never lets me down. Again, that's Numbers chapter 22, and we'll be looking at verses 21 through 32. If you have that, say amen. And the word of the Lord says in Numbers 22, starting at verse 21, it says, So Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. But God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no either way to turn. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. And she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have made a fool of me. I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey, on which you have ridden all your life long to this day? Is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, no. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Balaam said, behold, I have come out. He said, behold, I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. I want you to just consider the thought for a few moments, waiting on directions. I'm gonna talk to you for a few moments from the thought, waiting on directions. I thought this was important because a lot of us, we, 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 we hear the word, we believe the word, but sometimes we get stuck somewhere between hearing the word and applying it to our lives. How, how, how do I apply what the word of the Lord is saying as it relates to my circumstances? How do I apply the word of the Lord as it relates to these decisions that I'm about to make in my life? So that's why I wanted to talk to you for a few moments this morning from the thought waiting for directions because in my spirit, God told me that there are many of you who are right there. You are waiting for directions. 
I'll just give a little insight on waiting for directions, and maybe it's a little relationship advice wrapped up in it as well. I've learned that when I was a, I was a young man, and one time I, I went out and I was buy, going to buy my, now she's my wife, it was my future wife at the time, a gift. And I was traveling, and I, I went, I went the, first of all, I went the wrong direction when I was going. <laughs> I started headed to Franklin. I needed to go to Lebanon. Traveled all out of the way, finally made it to Lebanon and purchased a gift. And then I brought her this gift, and she appreciated it. She said, thank you. But I could tell there was a tinge of something there that I missed. I had missed something. And men, you know, sometimes we miss something. <laughs> and what I had missed is that she had said it before and had stated to me that there was another item that she wanted. And well, you know what I did? I took that, went to, drove to Lebanon, returned that, and then went and bought her something that she had mentioned to me, but I had just lost track of. What I, did, what I failed to do was to really wait for directions. But I'll tell you, I learned something from that. Now I've learned that I was like, you make a list of things that you might want, and I'm going to take this list with you, and the surprise will be whatever I get. But it taught me something. It taught me something. I, I learned something from that experience. It taught me the importance of waiting for directions. And I think that's important in our Christian walk as well, that sometimes we get in a, such a hurry to act that we fail to wait for directions. We allow other people to influence our decision making and we let them push us to go do something that God has not spoken or told us to do. And a lot of times we are engaged by our passions. We, we are engaged by our flesh and we're not allowing our spirit to help influence the decisions that we should make. The first thing I want to talk to you about is that we need to be careful to, in, in allowing our emotions to direct our decisions. Be careful allowing your emotions to direct your decisions. You know something that will really get you in trouble is us doing things that we say feel right. We, we did something, and, and we did it because it felt right. Well, let me let you know that your feelings will betray you. There's a lot of things that you might feel like doing. Or it feels right in your natural body, but because it feels right does not mean that it's the right thing to do. Or even worse, it does not mean you should do anything in that situation. I told you, think about it this way, and I want you to get it. Remember, the, the devil doesn't have to convince you to stop coming to church. The, the, the devil doesn't have to convince you that the word of God is wrong. All the devil has to do to, to, has to convince you to do is move from where you're supposed to be. Move from the place of favor where God has placed you. So you can still believe in God, but the, but the problem is not that you're believing in God. The problem is that you're not obedient and you're not patient enough to wait for directions. If the devil, I told you this is, is this simple. If the devil can move you from the spot where you're supposed to be, then your blessings were along that path. So then you miss out on your blessings and you walk into things, that, into storms that really weren't intended for you. And then you get discouraged. And then you know what you do? You blame everybody else but yourself. You blame God. You blame enemies. You blame haters. You blame the devil. 
But a lot of times, the reason that we find ourselves frustrated is because we moved out of the place where God told us to be. Remember, the Bible says, having having done all to stand, even after you get all your, your armor off, it says, stand ye therefore. In other words, stand, occupy, be in the place where God told you to be. He hasn't told you to move yet. And many times we get ourselves in trouble when we move before God tells us to move. When we do engage in things that God has not told us to do, to to saying things that God has not told us to say. So then we get out and we're walking on our own and then we don't have the confidence of God behind us because he did not instruct you to go that way. He did not tell you to say that. And therefore, by your failure to wait for directions, you have stepped outside the line of blessings that God has lined up for you. Then sometimes you find yourself in a situation like Balaam, where you're literally trapped against the wall. And I want you to notice something in this text, and we'll get to it in just a moment. But it wasn't the devil that stopped Balaam. I just want you to keep that in your mind when we come back to that. It wasn't the devil that stopped Balaam. But see, what we do is we allow our passions, we allow our emotions to put us in situations. And I've said this before, sometimes we make permanent choices in temporary situations. And, I, and I, I'm just going to raise my hand. You don't have to raise your, your hand. But, but I've gotten myself in trouble for making permanent choices in temporary situations. I think I've shared before, there was one time I had a job, and I, I liked the job, and I, was, I thought I was, I I was going to be there a while, and I started decorating my office. And in the middle of decorating and, and, and doing things in the office, God stopped me and said, Larry, stop. You're not going to be here that long. <laughs> And it it, it was challenging because I put a lot of work in it, but he said, stop doing that. You're trying to make something permanent that I am telling you is temporary. You're not going to even be here that long. I I did not intend for this situation to be permanent. And that's what we do when we allow our passions to rule. We set up residence in places that you should just be passing through. Point at your neighbor and say, you're not going to stay there long. You're not going to stay there long. So, so while I'm sitting up there making, making as if I'm going to be there a long time, God was already preparing me for something else. So, so then, I, you don't, you don't want to think about it that way, but I was being disobedient. It didn't feel like disobedience, but I was being disobedient until God spoke to me and, and challenged me on that thing. So he didn't tell me to make that my home. He didn't tell me to to create that that situation because he knew he had a plan for me that didn't expect this to be a long destination. I was just stopping through. And, And see, what happens is when we set up residence in places that we're only supposed to be passing through, then we run into trials that weren't even created for us. You're running into somebody else's storm because you're staying in a place that God wanted you to move away from. He wanted you to move from there. So often, often you hear about when the storms pass through, in, in, especially in Tennessee. I, I notice in Florida it's the, same, it's the same way. You can be driving and you're, and you're in a storm and the storm can get really intense. And sometimes, and, and you, you do what's best for you driving, but I'm making the point here. You're in such an intense storm that you just want to stop 
And you want to wait because the storm is so intense. But sometimes in the intensity of the storm, if we just drive a little bit further, we, we will drive our way out of the storm. But by sitting there, we're encountering more storm than God intended. And, and I wanted to give that to somebody because somebody right now, you're in a place where you're enduring more storm than God intended because you stayed in a place that God expected you to pass through. Expect you to pass through. Because there are a lot of things that, that, are, that are temporary, that when you go through them, it might hurt, but it won't knock you out. It, it, it'll hurt, but the, but the hurt doesn't have to last always because it's a temporary situation. I don't, I don't mean to, to, to lead your children away. You might need to close, close their ears if you, if you need to. you got a small child. But you can touch a hot stove for a second. And be all right. The problem is when you leave your hand on the stove, then you get permanently scarred. You're going to have some long-term problems if you leave your hand there. And what I'm telling somebody right now, God intended you to touch it and keep on moving. But because you stayed there, you're enduring heat. You're enduring trials. You're enduring scarring that God did not intend because you did not move. Secular song by the, the street poet, uh, Mr. Ludacris. It said, when I move, you move. And sometimes God is telling us, when, when I move, I need you to move. So you've stayed in a place where I am no longer at because you didn't move when I told you to move. You didn't move when I moved. And we're setting up ourselves for problems and trials because we did not listen and adhere to the voice of God. And we're setting up residence in the valley. And David told you, don't stay in the valley. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I will fear no evil for goodness and mercy are with me. It's not a permanent situation. I'm not staying here. God intended it for a purpose, but he didn't mean for me to remain where I am. Point to somebody else and say, I'm coming out of this. I'm coming out of this. But to, but to come out, I got to move. I can't come out and lay in the bed. I can't come out while I'm setting up a, a house in the middle of the valley. I, I can't come out while I'm sitting there having a pity party in the middle of my situations. Coming out requires me to move, so I have to move when God says I must. I must move. So see, the, see the, the, the situations we, we get ourselves in is when we make permanent choices in temporary situations, we, we, we often have to sometimes carry the weight of something that God didn't mean for you to carry because you made a permanent choice. One of the things that I found out is that sometimes our passions, they'll get the best of you. When I was thinking of this sermon, God brought something back to my memory. It's funny how God can do that. He brought something back to my memory that I hadn't thought about in probably almost 30 years. I was 17 years old, and I was driving. I was, I was living here in Shelbyville, and I was working at the Pizza Hut there on Lane Parkway. And I was driving to work one day, and while I was driving, I got somebody cut in front of me, and I almost hit him. I got so frustrated that I hit my horn. On my, on my car. And saints, I've gotten better. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. I've now learned that I, I, I'm not that rude. Just hitting your horn that hard is just rude. But I, 
help me, Lord. I, I said I was 17 years old. So I hit that horn hard. I hit it so hard that when I hit it, the bladder was impacted. So the horn stayed on. The horn was just sitting there blowing. See, that, that was God getting back at me. It's like I hit the horn and it just kept on blowing. And, 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 and it would be a situation, see, if I was going home, could have gone home, my dad could have taken care of it. But I was headed to work. So I had to pull up in the parking lot, horn blaring. People looking at me like I'm crazy. I was fortunate. I appreciated Brother Troy. I don't know who, I can't even remember his last name. Brother Troy was my, this was the manager of that particular store. He came out, knew something about cars, and was able to disengage that horn. But I allowed my passions to get the best of me. And, and, and I reacted out of the midst of my passion. But fortunately, I didn't make a permanent decision because there's some people in situations to these days, they'll pull out their gun and shoot somebody. They, they sentenced a person not, not too long ago for a road rage incident. He got so mad that he pulled out his gun and killed another, another passenger. He killed another driver on the road. He made a permanent choice in a temporary situation, and now he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail because he couldn't control his passions. And God told me to spend a little time right here because I, I got my blinker on and I might be turning down your street. We have to be careful. We have to be careful because we can allow our passions to drive us to places where we should not be and then be stuck in situations that God intended to be temporary. The thing I found out about road rage, you can get upset with somebody if you just let it go for a few minutes and go to where you need to be. The next day or two, you won't even remember what happened. You won't even remember the make and model of the car that cut you off because you've moved on. And sometimes that's what God desires when it comes to our passions, and that's what the Holy Spirit is there. It's in making intercession for us. It's pulling us back in situations that our flesh doesn't want to control so that we don't get stuck in situations that God intended for us to pass through. Some of us, we... Some of us, we haven't gotten promoted on our jobs because we don't know how to not cuss people out when we get mad. And you can find yourself stuck in a bad situation because you don't know how to handle temporary problems. And, so, and then you blame everybody again but yourself. They got on your nerves and you cussed them out and now that nobody's going to promote you. Nobody's going to raise your salary. But then you're going to say, well, you know, it's just the man. He got his foot on my neck. You know, it's just those haters, those haters at work, they just talking bad about me and keeping me down. No, baby. It's that you don't know how to handle temporary situations. And when you get upset, you start cussing people out. And now you have a brand, they think you have a bad attitude. Because you don't know how to handle temporary situations. Stop blaming everybody. Don't blame the devil. Don't blame your coworkers. Don't blame everybody else. This one needs to come to you. You need to blame yourself. And recognize that I need to do better handling temporary situations. Another temporary situation that's sometimes poorly handled is a phenomenon that I call club babies. Let me, let me explain that to you. See, the older saints, and I like to defend them now because now that I'm older, I appreciate some of the things that they did. My parents were strict on us. We didn't, we didn't hardly leave the house unless they knew some, somebody from church came and picked us up. <laughs> praise, praise God for my 
cousins, my late cousins, uh, Christy, uh, Christy Ray, uh, her and her brother Cedric, they would come and pick us up when we were younger and take us out places. Thank God for my Uncle Fred and Aunt Sharon, the late Aunt Sharon. They would pick us up and go out places, and some of you know, evangelist ripping. Sometimes she'd pick us up, but it had, almost all of them had to be elder minister. <laughs> evangelist. It was somebody from church that was taking us out. And as an older, as I've gotten older, I appreciate that because they were helping to keep us from situations that might get us in trouble. Now, I know that the older saints sometimes begin to demonize things, and, and, and maybe it was taken a little far, but it had good intentions. Sometimes they made it like the club or the bar. You go to the bar or the club, that you walk in, and then the, the floor opens, and you immediately go to hell. <laughs> no. They, they begin to demonize those places, and as an older person, I understand now it's nothing, it was nothing wrong with the club or the bar itself. It's just that going to places like that Cause sometimes your, your, your mind is a little compromised, particularly if you are partaking of communion at the bar. Come on now, you know what I mean. It, it, you, you're, 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 it causes you to react a little differently. What I'm saying, it's not a place that encourages good decisions. The club in itself is not bad. It's ordinarily a happy place, but it's a place that often encourages poor decisions. And it comes back to what I said is that sometimes those poor decisions, that, temp- that permanent choice you made in a temporary situation cause a phenomenon of what I call club babies. That means it's a little bit dark. You're a little bit tipsy. You weren't in a position to make a good decision. And you wind up going home with somebody or you took somebody home. And all you, all you left for was a good time, but, but after your good time, you wound up being a parent. Uh, that's what I call a club baby. <laughs> you had a club baby because you were in a place where you didn't make good decisions, and you, in a temporary situation, you made a permanent choice. And therefore, you had to live with the consequences of that choice much longer because you didn't know how to react. In a temporary situation, you allowed your passions to drive you. And as a result of you following your passions and doing what felt right and what felt good, you made a poor choice. You made a poor decision. We have to be careful because the devil will allow us to be in certain situations. And that's what our parents, that's what the older saints were trying to prevent. They didn't want you to be in a place where they knew your decision making would be compromised. And let me, let, me, let me tell you that it, it doesn't have to be the bar. It doesn't have to be the club. There are many places where your decision-making is compromised and you're likely to make a poor decision. So it's, it's careful. If you watch where your feet are, then God will, be careful. God will be careful to make sure that you make good decisions. A lot of times our feet put us in places where we shouldn't be. Oh, some of you, you got those late-night phone calls. Come on in here with me now. Late night phone calls, and then your feet were in a bad place, so with your head, you made a poor decision. It was a temporary place. It was a temporary situation, but then you made a permanent choice. So we have to be careful where our feet are situated, put ourselves in places where we're likely to make good decisions. Because what? The worst thing to do is make a decision Without waiting. 
You didn't wait on God to find out what God wanted you to do, but you said, I, f- I can do this. Oh, come on here. I can do this. I, they, 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 they're not going to tell me what to do. Oh, they, they done acted a fool, baby. They, you act a fool, I can act a fool too. And then you put yourself in a poor place to make a good decision instead of waiting for God's directions. Point at somebody and say, wait on God. We, we put ourselves in a poor place, so then we, we make hard work, permanent decisions in temporary places. And that's exactly where we find Balaam here. Balaam, he, well, first of all, to give you a little background on Balaam, understand Balaam had been seduced for days by the kings and leaders of the region to go with them and to say something that God didn't want him or desire for him to say. They were wanting Balaam to bless them and bless their armies. But God was saying, I'm not going to speak a word against the people of Israel. But they kept seducing him, making him feel important, throwing money at him. And sometimes we get seduced. Our, our flesh gets so seduced. We get so drunk in our minds and in our flesh that we begin to think that this decision, get this, feels right. You stay there long enough. It feels right. They pump your head high enough and, and, and blow, blow up your ego. You, it starts to feel right. If they seduce you with enough money, you begin to say, your, your, your mind begins to calculate the dollars, and then in your mind it begins to feel right. We have to be careful not to be, allow the devil to seduce us with our flesh and, and, our, and our mind and our, our bodies and our passions. And if we allow that to happen, it begins to feel right and we act out of our flesh instead of consulting our spirit. We don't give God, remember it says wait, waiting for directions. We don't give God time. We don't give him time to give us directions. Give him time. Somebody point at your name and say, give him time. <laughs> One thing I've learned about, you, you turn your GPS on, and my wife mocks me because I do this all the time. I, even when I know where I'm going, I turn my GPS on. That's just, just a habit of mine. One, thing, One reason I do it is because my app will tell me if there's traffic and also tell me where police are, but that's not the point. But, but, <laughs> but, uh, but sometimes when, I, when I'm following the app, if I'm going to a place, like when I was coming here this morning, I, 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 I turn on to Memorial Boulevard, and then I get on South Church Street, coming from Murfreesboro to here. And from the time that I turn on South Church Street until the time that I get inside the city limits, you know what? My GPS doesn't say anything. It doesn't say anything. From the time I turn on... Turn on South Church. The time I turn on 231 to make it more clear. From the time I turn on 231, right there in the middle downtown heart of Murfreesboro, until the time I get inside the city limits here in Shelbyville, my GPS is quiet. It doesn't give me any instructions. It doesn't give me any directions. And the reason it's quiet and it's silent is because it doesn't need me to do anything. It needs me to keep going forward. Just keep going. It's not saying anything to me. It, it, it tells me, just, it's letting me know, I just need to keep going. I need to keep moving in that direction. Don't need you to make a turn. I just need you to keep going. 
And sometimes when you think God is being silent, I wish I would get this, get this in your spirit. When you think God is being silent, what he's telling you is I just need you to keep going. Oh, come on now. It might start raining while you're driving, but I, I need you to keep going. There might be a, an accident along the way, but I, I, I need you to come on in here with me. I need you to keep going. There may be obstacles that you see in your path. Construction might be ahead, but what God is saying when I'm not speaking, I'm telling you to keep going. So he's saying I, I'm speaking when I'm not speaking. I'm giving you directions when even when I, when I say nothing. What, I, what I'm telling you is you're headed in the right direction. And no matter, get this, what anybody else might say, I just need you to keep going. Oh, there are a lot of turns along the way, and your mind might be convince you that you need to take one of those times. But God's saying, I didn't say anything. I'm letting you know in my silence that I need you to just keep on. Oh, Keep on going. I, I don't care what anybody else tells you. I don't care about the directions that other people might give you. When I am silent, I'm telling you to just keep on. Somebody came in here right now and you're in the, you're in the middle of the storm and you're waiting to hear a word from the Lord. But, but God's saying in my silence, I'm giving you directions. He said the reason I haven't said anything is that you're on the right path. You're doing the right thing. And the only thing I need you to do is to keep on. What is your name and God tell him God saying? I need you to keep going. Hallelujah. God wants you to keep, keep going. Don't rush me here. I got, I got to finish this thing. But the thing I told you about the thing, and I'm finished. Let me give you this point and I'm done. The thing of I told you at the beginning is that it was not the devil that opposed Balaam. Wasn't the devil? It, it wasn't the devil standing in the path. It wasn't the devil who drew a sword, but an angel of the Lord. As soon as Balaam had made up his mind that he was going, an angel of the Lord got inside his path, stood there in the way, and even though Balaam wanted to go, the donkey under him would not go. The donkey would not move. He tried to turn him one way, the donkey turned back. He tried to turn the dog, he tried to go forward and the donkey turned into the field. He tried to get out of the field and keep going, but the angel stood in the path between the vineyards and would not let him go forward. And then the, the donkey even got in between the walls and it crushed Balaam's foot because he, he bumped against the wall because he refused to go forward. Finally, even after Balaam was beating the donkey, the Balaam just said, Well, the donkey said, Well, I'm just gonna lay down because I'm not going forward because I see opposition ahead that you don't see. And sometimes God's telling you, I need you to wait right where you are because there's opposition ahead that you don't see. Come on in here. And, and what he's saying is, I need you to wait. Somebody say, Wait. I need you to wait right where you are. Put on the whole arm of God, but I, I need you to stand right there. And the reason I need you to stand is that there's opposition ahead, and I don't expect you to fight. You're saying the battle is not yours, but, but it belongs to the Lord. He said, if you wait right here, 
He said, I see something ahead that I'm going to take care of for you. He said, I see a blocked entrance that I'm about to open. He said, I see a closed door and you don't have the keys to it. But God said, I got the keys to the door that you can't open. God said, I'm going to fight the enemy that you can't handle. He said, you got some news. And the news said it was too much for you. Somebody came against you. And you say, Lord, I can't handle it. But God said, if you wait right here, he said, I'll go get it. If you wait right here, he said, I'll fight your battle. If you wait right here, he said, I'll handle it for you. He said, I don't need you to move. He said, I need you to wait right here. And they that wait on the Lord, he will renew your strength. You can mount up with wings as an eagle. You can run and not get weary. You can walk and not faint. God said, God said, I need you to wait right here. But while you're waiting, I'm fighting your battle. While you're waiting, God said, I'm giving you the victory. Somebody put those hands together and give God the everything's about us and because everything's about us sometimes we don't see the bigger picture you know they I think it's Kirk Carr who sang the song God blocked it God blocked it and we like to think about it. oh oh God blocked it God God blocked that thing that was in my way but you know what what he didn't sing he didn't have time to, to give you the full testimony is sometimes for God to block it, he has to block you. Oh, I want you to get that in your spirit. Because sometimes to block it, he has to block you. That, 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 that's, what the, that's what God did in this situation. Balaam was about to run himself into death. You know what the angel of the Lord said? The angel said, if the donkey had not sat down, said I would have killed you with the sword that is in my hand for Balaam to not run into more trouble for God to block it he had to block him and I don't know your testimony let me just speak for yourself myself I just thank God that sometimes God had to block me there's, there's something ahead that, that you're not ready for. There, there's something ahead that you're not prepared for. There's something ahead that is too much for you to bear. Larry, I'm blocking you so that I can block it. I'm blocking you from things that you're not ready for. So that's the thing about exposure. See, these days with social media and all of these things, everybody wants exposure. They want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want everybody to, to give them accolades. They, they, want, they want to be everybody to be proud of them and, and proclaim their name. But let me tell you something about exposure. Exposure will not only expose your gift, but exposure will also expose your character. Mm. And sometimes your, your gift is more prepared than your character. 
I, I, I know you're in here with me. There, there are people you know, they have an amazing gift. But then things start coming out about their character. Because exposure is great for your gift, but it's not also great for your character. Because things start start coming out. Let, let me just let me bring you an example that happened in Tennessee. Speaker of the House here in Tennessee. He was blocking some things that were happening in the house. And now because he had national exposure, now news outlets are releasing things about him. That, come on in. That, that, that we didn't know that we weren't aware of. Found out he don't live where he, he said he lived. Come on now. Found out that there might be some infidelities in the past. Come, come on in here. Sounds like sometimes there's some money that was supposed to go one way that went another way. He's getting exposed. And, and, and sometimes when you're exposed, it's great for your gift, but it's not great for your character. And you're exposed to things that you're not ready for. So when sometimes when we're, we're praising God for blocking it, maybe we need to throw those hands up again and say, Lord, thank you for blocking me. Thank you for blocking me from getting into things that I was not prepared for, things that I was not ready for, things that I would not handle the exposure of. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for blocking me. Because sometimes to block it, he had to block me. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise for his word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word on today. Lord, we thank you for your protection. Lord, we thank you for your foresight, Lord. Even when we can't see our way, Lord, you always see the way. You're helping us, Lord. Lord, even when we're hard-headed and fall away from the path, Lord, your hand is there to guide us back. Your heart is there to lead us in the direction you'd have us to go. Lord, help us to be more patient. Help us to not be driven by our passions. But Lord, help us to remember to wait on you. And when we wait on your directions, the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. Lord, we know your blessing, your, your, your intent is to see us prosper and to not fail, to give us a future and a hope. Lord, we're going to trust you more. We're going to depend upon you more. And Lord, we're learned learning to wait on you more each and every day. Help us, Lord. Come on. Help us, Lord. Help me, Lord. Come on, say that with me. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to wait so that you guide me in the path that you would have me to go. And Lord, we claim all these things in thy son Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching online, I encourage you to wait on the Lord. Wait for his directions and he'll never lead you astray. God bless you. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fire. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.